Hey, back to This Is Not A Real Libertarian Podcast. Uh, today, we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Rob Luther, who's running up in Pennsylvania for the 59th District um, under a special election where the uh, most recent member who was holding that seat, Mike Reese, uh, passed away <clears throat> unexpectedly January 2nd. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just kind of run a promo clip that he's got on his website. Um, and then I'll bring him in here for y'all. Hello, my name is Rob Luther, and I am running to be your voice in the State House of Representatives for District 59. I've lived in Ligonier Valley my entire life. I'm married. We've raised four kids in the area. My family has been here for 10 generations. We are heavily invested in Pennsylvania. We love it. It's the place we all call home. However, over the past 9 to 12 months, there's been some very concerning things going on that we have a government that can so dramatically intervene in the lives of the community is very concerning. That needs to be reined in. Also, we have a state government that is dramatically taxing and spending uncontrollably. That also needs reined in. But I'm running to be your voice, so I really want to understand what is important to you. Please share that with me, and together we can change Pennsylvania for the better. Well... I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, this is a man who really does seem like he wants to hear from his constituents and wants to do the best thing. But don't take my word for it. Uh, the man himself, Mr. Rob Luther. Hey, how's it going? I think uh, that, that video is probably one of the very, absolutely one of the very few times you'll see me without my hat on and with a collared shirt on. <laughs> Well, w with uh, with Mr. Luther today, we've got this vagabond, uh, Kareem. How you doing? Hey, how are you? How's it going, Kareem? Good. How are you guys? Good. So, uh, if you want to, uh, go ahead and just kind of give us some little little bit more background that you know maybe the video didn't cover. Uh, you know, anything in particular you'd like to speak on? Yeah, last year, uh, last year I was a Republican. So, uh, but I always had libertarian leanings. Um, with the whole election and, and everything that went on last year, I was, uh, needless to say, frustrated. Um, so that's kind of what finally pushed me over the edge. I'm like, you know what, I'm just, I'm shifting my, my registration. I'm, I'm putting that single digit over to the Libertarian Party. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, just that act alone has had a significant impact on me because it, it just it, it made me start digging in more, learning more, reading more. Um, it, it's been a great I'll tell you, that was just a great move, <laughs> a great move. Well, if, <clears throat> if you want to, I'm not well versed on uh, the political scene in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know what kind of uh, legislation they've had here recently, what kind of it's really anything that's been going on. So if you want to kind of fill people in on that a little bit too. So yeah, Pennsylvania, we have like, we have the second highest corporate income tax. We have the second highest gas tax. I think we have the highest tax toll road in like the world. I mean, um, we're a pretty heavily taxed state. Uh, and, you know, going, going into this campaign, my, my, what I really want to do more than anything else is property tax reform. I don't think, specifically at the residential level, I don't think people should pay rent to the state. Like I've seen there's, there's a, a family here that had a farm forever, and uh, they, the farm actually, basically he had to sell the farm to a conservancy 
because of the taxes. Like he just couldn't afford to pay the taxes. So people literally are losing their property, their homes, because they can't afford to pay a property tax. And I, that's to me, that's that's criminal. So property tax reform was something huge for me. Um, and in Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf has shut us down. Like for the past, I, I don't know, it's we'll go up. We, he just signed the fourth shutdown or the fourth emergency declaration. Um, so we've been shut down for a while and it's really hurt business. I don't think one person should have the power to do that. We actually have measures on the ballot right now to take that power beyond 21 days from the governor and spread that out over the General Assembly, which is something I hope everybody says yes to. Um, and then education, man, I, I, I love, I would love to have choice. I'd love to have choice in the education system. Um, and even give, try to give the, the school districts more autonomy to do things the way they want to do them. Uh, but everything's just so tied to the state. Like as soon as you start getting state money, I mean, you're coerced into doing things the exact way they want you to do them. And it's, it's sad. It, like it destroys innovation. So that's, so that's my soapbox right there. Well, the, my, my big pet peeve has always been uh, property tax, even, you know, before I joined the party officially, is because you definitely think about, it, you know, most farms are, you know, m- you know, million dollar pieces of land. You know, you're talking hundreds of acres and, you know, you're having to pay the government basically hush money so they don't come and kill you in your sleep in order to live on this land that you've paid for or your family's own for generations and generations. So the, you know, the, you definitely got my support on the, the, uh, property tax, you know, um, it's, 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 it's a whole, that we could get into 17 episodes of just nothing but property yeah. tax and why it's wrong. But I remember, I remember arguing with my dad, like, cause my dad was like, no property tax, it pays the schools and everything. And I'm like, well, it shouldn't like property tax should not be what, what funds the schools. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and, and there's, I, I can't remember the name of, of the Senator, but there's, um, there's somebody working on a bill to eliminate property tax in Pennsylvania, but basically it's just saying, okay, well, we're going to raise all these taxes to pay for the property tax, which uh, uh, purpose. just stop spend like Pennsylvania, our budget is like $89 billion. Um, PennDOT alone, like our Department of Transportation is like $8 billion and they want to add another $9 billion to their budget. We need to stop spending money. We need to not find ways. We, we, we need to stop finding taxes to raise and stop spending money on everything under the sun. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've looked a little bit into this race. Um, you are running against, let me pull it up here because I can't remember anything. Uh, Mariah Fisher, who's running as a Democrat. Uh, Leslie Baum Rossi. Rossi, Rossi yeah. Uh, as a Republican. And then you are the big L, which is great to see because here in the state of Tennessee, in order to do so, you've got to have like 56,000 signatures to run as a libertarian. But uh, yeah, so are there any down ballot issues that's going to be on this or is it just a special election for this seat? Well, we have some ballot measures. Um, there's uh, school district voting. Um, yeah, so th- I mean, there's there's more than just a, the special election, the seat. So, okay, um, Kareem, you uh, you got anything? You're just over there creeping. 
<laughs> so yeah, I I'm the campaign manager for this thing. So basically the measures are to reduce emergency powers and that's huge because in my opinion no matter how somebody is framing it whether it's to help people or it's nefarious you shouldn't be able to lock down a state that's the biggest thing to me is emergency powers plus helping the fire department and rob luther's made a lot of videos about these detailing all the information because some people have looked at it and the language is definitely confusing. I can understand that. Um, they crafted it very well. But yeah. nonetheless, we need to take some initiative, not only to get libertarians in, Pennsylvania is the most libertarians, but not only, not only to get libertarians in the House and the Senate, but to reduce powers of the person who's going to be there after our Governor Wolf, and just in general, because we're not there to really win power. We're there to take the power like in Lord of the Rings and throw the ring into the fire. That's how I always frame it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So like, like Kareem said, our first two ballot measures are, are about the uh, emergency declaration and, and executive powers. Um, there, which um, as a libertarian, we want to vote yes for, I was, I was talking to a, uh, a Republican who was adamant that she was going to vote no for the for the first measure and i'm like so you, I, I know you're a trump supporter and i know you're you don't want the governor to have have this power you need to vote yes for it and she's like no no, no it's a trick it's like you, you have to read the wording and i'm like no it's i promise you i promise you so it, it is funny how they word things so you always have to watch that uh, the third ballot question adds, adds a snippet about equality based off of race and ethnicity. Um, and it's, it's right after the section that, that guarantees the same thing regardless of sex, right? So um, initially, like I'm, I'm, I'm totally for adding that. Um, a lot of people on the right were totally opposed to it and it was due to immigration. It was like some immigration loophole. They were going to sneak people into Pennsylvania and set up a sanctuary state. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. And then I was doing a, uh, an interview with KDKA and I found out that um, people on the left are just as afraid of it as people on the right. It's like they think it's some some gateway to get rid of affirmative action. So it's like, it, I don't know, the left and right, they it's like they see boogeymen everywhere. Yeah. I mean, when you're uneducated, everything's a terror to you. Uh, and it, <clears throat> I'll, I'll be tooting my own horn here, but libertarians, in my opinion, are far more versed in, you know, policy and especially local politics. Cause that's the fight that we have to make. You know, a lot of these, you know, Republicans and Democrats, they'll focus on the national issues because that's where they feel like, you know, that's where the important fight is. But really, uh, we are fighting the ground game that they're not concerned about. Uh, you know, we uh, covered an election, uh, you know, on May 4th, and it was in a city of a population of about 30,000 people, and just over, I think, a thousand people voted in the election. So it goes to show that nobody cares about these measures, but these affect you a lot more than the national will. Yeah. Um, you know, we still have, you know, even though both sides have tried to tear it to pieces, the Constitution still dictates that states have more power than the federal government does. And, you know, a tyrant, one single tyrant a mile down the road is more dangerous than 100 tyrants a thousand miles down the road. And it, it does show. And I think, you know, 
it's like I've told people before, I will never pass up on speaking with somebody who's a libertarian running at any level because it is vastly, I mean, it's just, it's just a huge thing. It's just making sure we can get the right people in the right places. Cause you know, the federal government doesn't care about your, uh, your property tax, but the locals do. That's, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's where it just comes down to is, um, you know, especially at the state level, you know, as you talked about education, paramount. I mean, if we're, we're teaching people to basically love the state for no matter what, you know, no matter what war crimes or atrocities we commit, you got to, you know, love them. That's, that's indoctrination. And it's, 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 it's making sure that people have the truth. They're educated and, you know, follow through with stuff. And I got way off topic. I started on the education thing, and but I tried to loop it back. Well, I got okay. go back to education, and and I know I know the local is important, and and federal sexy, right? It's like oh, we're talking about the president of the United States, and and all the Congress, congresswomen, and that's all sexy stuff. Uh, but and you're right, the local is so important. But you have you have entities like the Department of Education that you know that that's supposed to be a state thing. Like education is supposed to be a state thing. But the Department of Education comes out and says, hey, you know what? If you follow these rules, we're going to give you money. So they basically coerce the states into following federal rules for education. Uh, and it's practically like a drug dealer giving heroin to, you know, to an addict. It's like the, the schools just won't say no to that. Um, and after they become dependent on that money, they'll do whatever the federal government says. So it's, it's, so, it's, it's a frustrating, frustrating thing. Somebody will probably correct me on this too, but uh, I want to say it was the Libertarian Party of uh, I can't remember who it was. I'm not going to say the wrong name, but they did this thing where basically they laid out this table and basically uh, took the average income for a four family home or four, four person family, you know, mother, father, and children, and broke down their tax burden. Uh, or the, the amount that they would pay in taxes on a yearly basis and handed out monopoly money and had a bunch of jars set up and would each one was like schools or, you know, jail or whatever roads, this kind of stuff, all the things that we talk about. And they said, you can either keep all the money or if you want to improve some of these services, you can take that money and put it in some of these jars. And the results that they got were astonishing. Not many people decided to keep the money uh, even though it's fake money, you know, real money is maybe different, but a lot of people focused in on, you know, education, making sure that schools were well-funded. And I think one of the least funded things was like, like jails or something like that. And people understand that education is important. And, uh, you know, even if we didn't have property taxes or sales taxes and all of this, all the 150 taxes that we pay on a daily basis, People would still donate money to schools because they want their kids to have a good education or they want their grandkids or they want their neighbor's kid to have a good education. And if it comes out of, you know, making sure like so the funds. So pretty much the funds are better allocated when it's not a guaranteed source of income. If the school's doing poorly and teaching kids, you know, like some like what is it, common core math and they think it's stupid, and they don't approve of it. Don't quit giving them get, quit getting them money. They fix it. People start giving them money again. It's, it's the incentive. When you've got this forced coercion of taking people's money and putting it to what you want, you know, to whatever you want to, there's no incentive to spend that money wisely. So you'll see a lot of schools or a lot of prisons or a lot of jails or the DOD 
all these people waste money because there's no need to improve. And so, like you said, you know, they've got this money coming in and they, they love it because it's guaranteed. It's the government's not going to just stop overnight giving them money because then somebody somewhere's voting, voter base will yell at them. But it, it really does just come down to you hold your school accountable with your dollars, you vote with your dollars. Yeah, we were talking, we were talking about education last night, and I'm like, man, it would it would just be great if all the school districts would just incorporate and like become private and just let the cards fall where they where they may. I mean, you you think about you think about technology today and like GoFundMe and stuff like that. Each school district could have like a GoFundMe set up where. You know, they're, they have programs set up that need funded and parents could go in and, and pick the programs that they want to fund. They could do like there's I mean, we live we live in an innovative world. We just the schools just have to be allowed to innovate. And under the current system that they're in, they're, they're not going to do it. And it's it's funny, too, because like there's charter schools, which I'm all for charter schools and cyber schools. Um but the school districts are even like at a weird disadvantage there because their budgets are all public. The, the cyber schools don't have to publicize their budget. So there's like the, the, the private schools, man, I, I just wish those school districts would just incorporate. Like we're, you know what? We're no longer public. We're all incorporated. It would be, it would be amazing. So I, I, I have talked to uh, one guy I used to work with. His wife worked at a private school. And I had spent some time when I lived overseas in some private schools overseas. The universal standard is, is that private schools outperform public schools. It doesn't matter if it's in this country, Norway, Japan, any, any, any nation you can think of that has privately funded schools outperform public schools. Why? Because there's an incentive there. They want more students to go there. So as, as Rob said, you incorporate, you know, public schools even. And make them, you know, earn their keep. You'll see a lot. You'll see a lot better students. Number one and number two, you'll see better schools. You'll see, you know, uh, better equipment stuff like that. Now, the public school that or the uh, private school that this lady worked at, she uh, she said they didn't have a football team, but they had like basketball and soccer and stuff like that. But that's a, that's a big argument people make. Is well, what about football programs? Yeah, but they got fundraisers. They, you know, they public yeah, schools aren't funding. Yeah, they'll have boosters and stuff like that. And typically the football boosters, unless it's a big basketball school, they will fund all the other sports. That's you see that in colleges too. You, you, you see all you're that. not gonna take sports away from any American community. <laughs> oh no, I mean and that's the thing is <clears throat> even if even if that's all people care about is the sports, people will pay money to make sure their kid goes to a school that has a good football team. I'm not joking. I guarantee you there's people out there that would pay 10 grand a year to make sure the kid went to a school that had a better football program. There is. And yeah. even when I went to college, that was one of the big things they asked. What's the sports program like? I didn't personally partake in it, but a lot of people did. And if there's a need for it, the free market will come and find a way to do it and do it a lot better because there's incentive, like you're saying. And especially in local races, you know, there's an incentive, a bigger incentive to get out there because everybody's worried about. Trump and Biden, but who's your school board? Who's your governor? Who's your local representative for your district? Do you know what district you're in? Most people, I didn't know this for a long time. Most people don't. So 
it's time to get out, look at the issues that are important and say, hey, I need to get involved locally. You wouldn't worry about, you know, something going on 10 houses down from you or six towns down from you. Even if you could, you couldn't do anything, but you can fix your backyard. That's what I would tell people. Go out and fix your backyard. Find out who's your school board, who's this, who, what's going on locally, and start taking advantage of that. Start getting involved. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting being a libertarian and looking at the system because you know we're we're definitely different thinkers than the Republicans and the Democrats, right? They want to have these big institutionalized machines that are running and we want to rip them down. And, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking at how do we blow this up? How do we blow up the department of education? And when, when you're running, it's like, man, like, I can't, like, there's like this, I have to walk through Mordor to even think about doing that. Right. So you, you try to think of like, what, OK, what are the immediate steps you can take? And it's and and not only that, but you you have all you have a hundred thousand things that you want to do. You're like, we could tear a whole bunch of stuff apart because there's a lot that needs to be tore down. And it's, it's a matter of like trying to focus and trying to find those those initial steps that you can do to, to work your way toward that. And it's yeah, it, it's daunting because not only do you have to find the steps, but like every step is going to there's roadblocks in every step because the Republicans and the Democrats don't want it at all they they're they're making their living off of these machines there's corporations that, that whose existence relies on these machines so it's yeah it's 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 interesting being a libertarian and running like you you start looking at things just from a different mindset so <clears throat> i do want to touch on that though so in Pennsylvania i know how Tennessee is as far as, you know, party politics. Uh, what's your reception kind of been like telling people you're a libertarian who's running for, you know, the state house out there? Um, has it been a lot of, a lot of, oh, you're this and this and we hate this? and Or has it been a lot more of the, you know, people willing to talk to you? So I've had, um, for the most part, people have been really willing to talk to me. Like I, I had one guy that, that, pulled up and he was like me he was a disenfranchised republican he's like i don't i don't like what trump did to the party and and he like we were doing a sign waving and he pulled up and i talked with him for probably 10 minutes um but then i've had other people that you know they're like well what are you a republican or a democrat and i'm like well i'm neither and they're like oh, psh. you know it's like it's it's funny because they need the label like that i don't want to think i don't want to think for myself i just want to know if you're an r or a d and then that'll make up my mind for me because i'm too busy to think um and and you know I, i'm running ads on facebook and i have i have a set for the republican side and i have a set for the for the democrat side and for the most part i get a lot more pushback on uh, actually i don't get any pushback on the democrat side on the republican side i get a lot of uh i'm running against leslie rossi who built the trump house um i get people commenting on my ads on the republican side it's like leslie will save us you know like just it's like it's like a, it's like the donald trump group that just thinks that they have really good kool-aid over there so yeah it's interesting yeah, it's interesting 
the last guy who was handing out Kool-Aid, it didn't end well for anybody. So uh, <laughs> I'll just say that. But yeah, so it, uh, two-party politics is lazy politics. And I will say that. It's basically, as someone who came from the Republican Party a few years ago myself, uh, it, it is all about that R or that D. That's all they care about. And it's lazy politics. You don't even want to know what the policy is. Donald Trump can run in probably Tennessee and say that he is going to incarcerate anybody over the age of 85 and anybody who's over six foot tall, he'll throw them in prison for life sentences. And people would vote for him because they will not read policy. They refuse to. They're like, oh, Republican, vote. Democrat, vote. And it's it's lazy politics. And I think I think in a lot of ways, people don't want to be involved. They want that. They want that lazy politics because it it's less responsibility. They don't have to do the work. They're not having to read legislation that's being passed, you know, uh, like they're, they're not looking at, at Joe Biden's 94 crown bill saying, oh, he said he'll promise, you know, to exonerate all people who have smoked weed. Uh, but the 94 crown bill says otherwise or him firing every staffer who's ever heard yeah. the word marijuana. <laughs> and it, it's just it, it's lazy politics. And I'm 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 tickled to death that you are running, um, you know. Every state should have at least six libertarians running because we yeah. we piss off the system and that's what we need. Yeah, I mean, really, if you think about it, the, the libertarian candidate is the only one uh, that can potentially bridge that gap between the Democrats and Republicans because we're we're approachable um, from either side. But man, Democrats and Republicans, you know, a Republican can say the sky's blue, the Democrat will say no, you're wrong. Uh, the Democrat could say the grass is green. And the Republicans would be like, no way, no way. You were so wrong on that. Like it, Kentucky it, bluegrass. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, if it wasn't so important, it's almost comical how it is. Um, but it is, it's sad. I mean, it, it's definitely a sad state when you have just so much divisiveness right now and tribalism going on and both sides are promoting it. It's interesting to me because not to deviate to another issue, but looking at the migrant crisis, everybody was upset about that on the Republican side. Okay, that makes sense. Then we got a Democrat in office and, oh no, it's not that bad. It's changed the name to overflow facility. Well, it's okay now. They didn't change policy. We just changed some names. We changed some branding. We changed how we're delivering the message, but we're still fundamentally doing the same thing. And even when I looked at the presidential races, even the the big exciting ones, the best thing people could give me, they were giving me article screen. This is the best article for my guy. I scroll down and it says, this guy's not this guy. I'm like, is that the best you can do? Like, give me some principles. What are their principles? And they're like, well, this guy just lowered taxes or this guy did this, or this guy says he'll legal. I'm like, no, if you, if you focus on principle, which the libertarian party has like the non-aggression principle, you know, making sure that even though you don't like someone's behavior or maybe you disagree with them, that you treat them with respect and you don't aggress against them. That's what you need to make a functional society as far as I'm concerned. So look at the principles of the people. Don't just look, oh, they have policy or they have a nice house or they did this or they have good branding. Branding doesn't do anything if there's no policy and principle behind it. It's not going to make a difference. That's why. Yeah, it, 
the, you have you have the Republican Party that that has been branding themselves as fiscally conservative. They have been branding themselves for personal liberty. Where did that all go? Like, when was the last yeah. time we had a Republican in office that was for for that? Like, it, it hasn't been the last twenty years. So I, I was funny enough. I was just talking about that. I was deliberating with the guy on Facebook because those are always fun. Because uh, nobody walks away happy and everybody walks away pissed off. So I love it. Uh, <laughs> but I was talking to this guy and I said, "Okay, you claim to be conservative, right?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, so why is it how how is it physically uh, fiscally conservative?" Financially conservative, I'll say that so I don't sound like an idiot. Financially conservative to throw people in jail for marijuana. I said, it affects nobody. And he says, well, what if they get high and go crash cars? I said, yeah, okay, well, what if they, you know, take their prescription pain medicine and go drive a car and crash it or get drunk and go crash it? I said, what if they're on their phone eating a hamburger, drinking soda? What if they're putting makeup on? What if they're staring in the rearview mirror because they're spaced out and they've been working, you know, four hours today and, you know, their office job? Uh, it, it's not financially conservative to incarcerate people for marijuana. It, it isn't. There's no argument that says, oh, well, they put this in their own body under their own volition. We should throw them in prison and make sure we fund these prisons for life to make sure that they stay in these prisons, that they, they're in jail for, you know, for something they did to nobody else. Yeah, for a nonviolent crime. Yeah, like, conservatives are... That that's what pushed me away from the party was the this faux conservatism. It's not conservative. It's not freedom oriented. It's all about I have my belief. I think you should have to believe that too, or I'm gonna force you to believe it. The same thing with the Democrats. It's well, we think, uh, you know, education and healthcare is a right, and you know the government should pay for. It. Okay, well, what about guns? I think. You know, guns are a right. I should have the right to protect myself. Is the government going to pay for that too? Well, no, guns kill people. Oh, yeah, well, so does speech. You know, there's been plenty of times people have been used speech to call to action to do violent things. You know, education is not necessarily a right because how many people have a degree in something stupid that never gets used? You know, how many, how many people do you know go and get a history degree and use it for something other than the history channel or a history teacher? Uh, like, you know, education, you, I'd say you have the right to pursue education, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you want to be educated, you have the right to go out and educate yourself or find a way to educate yourself. And, you know, if your community, has, if your community school district is on the ball, they have a nice establishment there for you to go in and, and educate yourself. But, like, it being, a, it being a right, like, you know, you can't, your right can't force somebody else to do something for you. So it's like, yeah, you have a right to go out and, and educate yourself and you're, but you're responsible for your education and your parents, you know, if you're a kid, your parents are responsible for your education. So, um, but as far as it being a right, yeah, it's, it's not really a right. The, the understanding should be that rights are that you have the ability to do that and nobody can prevent you from that. Yes. You have the right to own a gun. Nobody can, nobody can stop you from buying one. You have a right to education. You have the right to pay for whatever college will accept you. You have the right to go to you know publicly funded schools because you're paying for those schools. You shouldn't be expelled because they don't like you know that that you got into a fight outside of school. And I've seen that. You've seen you know high school kids do something outside of school and get expelled from a publicly funded school that their parents are paying for, whether they go to that school or not. You know, you, and this is an argument that a lot of people make is, but 
you know, they say you don't have a right to use roads. You should. You pay for it, whether you own a car or not. You're paying for the roads, even though as libertarians, we go to conventions to say we hate the roads. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm not just joking. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it, yeah, a right should be this idea that you have the nobody can stop you from, uh, achieving whatever it is that right is. So exactly. healthcare, education, firearms, life, liberty. All that. Right. Yeah. It goes back to let people do what they want to do. Right. Don't put roadblocks like laws. Laws should be designed to protect our freedoms, not inhibit our freedoms. So. Uh, uh, so mm, I froze up there. I, I messed up. I was going to say something. I lost it. I was saying it. Blew away. Um, so as far as. uh like the let's go back to the marijuana thing. Uh, what's PA's kind of stance on marijuana? Are they like are they getting close to legalization? Are they fighting it hard? What's what kind of the situation there? So medical's legal. I think we're getting close to legalize. I don't know how close. Um, it, it's at least on the table. Recreational is on the table. But what's going to end up happening is it's going to be legalized for certain people to grow it and it's going to be highly regulated. Like um, it basically Pennsylvania is going to become a drug dealer. You know, they're, they're going to end up being the dealer and, and selling the drugs to whoever they want to sell it to for the price that they want to sell it to them for. Um, true legalization would be like, you know, if you want to grow pot in your backyard and sell it to your neighbor, then yeah, you can do that. That's like your right to do that. But that's not, yeah, that. we're, yeah, we're getting ready to experience that here in Tennessee because Virginia is basically steamrolling any kind of legislation through for that's pro marijuana. They're they're hammering it through, and I, I applaud them for it, even though they've got one of the top five worst governors in the country right now. Uh, you know, obviously behind Gavin Newsom and uh, Cuomo in New York, but uh, they're steamrolling some some marijuana legislation, and Tennessee is basically on the verge of trying to ban it without a constitutional like they there was a bill introduced this year it failed in committee but they were trying to basically say that unless you could make a constitutional amendment to the tennessee state constitution marijuana was going to be illegal forever um medical recreational all of it and virginia like i don't i i don't understand that what is the fear of it like alcohol is worse I, i i just i can't grasp the the boogie monster that was created around pot around marijuana hemp like it it makes no sense like hemp is such a versatile plant like i i don't i don't get the mentality there somebody did some really good marketing yeah it's crony Big tobacco man yeah yeah well hemp replaces so many industries so they probably go and lobby the congressman hey uh if you sign what you vote this way on this bill, keep it illegal. You know, we can write you and we'll help you with your campaign. And it's interesting. Justin Amash uh, broke this down and said, hey, that's how it works. Someone approaches you from a company, says they want this vote. They pay and you vote that way. And unfortunately, most people have been conditioned to say, hey, um, that hurts our argument like that hurts the when that happens that hurts the libertarian argument against free and open markets 
right? Because people are so afraid of, of this corporate world where you have three corporations that rule everything, you know, but, and, and that's not, that's not when, when you have corporations weaponizing government like that, that's not what we want. Like we don't want that. Uh, and, and that's, that's a good example, Kareem, of, of, you know, corporations weaponizing government to set these rules and regulations that bar innovation, innovative startup companies from entering a market. Well, authoritarianism isn't just a government. Authoritarianism can be anything. It could be a, a local group that terrorizes their community. It could be a corporation that has a vast monopoly on, we'll say, insulin. Uh, which we see that now there's only like what two or three companies that hold a patent for insulin, but it's way beyond the expiration date for those patents. So anybody should be allowed to make it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's authoritarianism. I mean, being able to force a vote from, or not even force coerce monetarily uh, from elected officials. That's, that's anti-libertarianism in my opinion. I mean, the ability to buy votes should be punishable, by tar and feather let's go let's kick it old school man let's let's go back to the old days if you're being bought on your vote you i mean that's i can't i that's the that's the absolute definition of somebody who should never hold any yeah. political office it's that's despicable yeah yeah it is i agree all these politicians i look at when they're saying they want to help or they want to do good and i'm like wait Let's do some critical thinking. Every time you hear someone say something good, look where the money's coming from and look why they're trying to do it. And you'll find out, hey, they're not really acting in your self-interest. They're acting in their financial, you know, betterment and stuff like that. That's why I think it's important libertarians get in because we are not backed by these big, you know, entities. And we can actually make a change. As far as I'm concerned, in Pennsylvania, the issue... The real issue is, even if they make it medicinal or they make it legal, yeah, they're going to tax it. They're going to use it to try and make tons tons of money. Will they make hemp readily available? We don't know. So we want to just treat it, as far as I'm concerned, Larry Sharp's right. Treat it like a vegetable. It's no different than cabbage. Someone's growing pot. Someone's growing cabbage. Someone's growing tomatoes. If they're growing it well, doesn't matter. It's a plant. Yeah, yeah I mean... It when sorry, when you're talking about uh, that 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 power, this this is where term limits come in because you know even it, libertarians are people just like Republicans and Democrats. So um, I think term limits can help curb that career politician. I'm going to build my career and my future based off of deals that I make. So I, I just think I think term limits in general are a good safeguard against that. Uh, and I'm totally for term limits. Yeah, I mean, term limits are a. I almost am surprised that it wasn't, you know, mentioned a lot in founding documents that term limits would have been beneficial. Um, because if you look, the I would say 99 percent of all our problems that we have as a nation are from the lack of term limits. Yeah, we've got a presidential term limit, so you know we don't have a king for more than eight years. With that. Yeah, we didn't. It didn't come about, what, in the 60s? Uh, early 60s, late 50s? Um, it was I after uh, was, FDR. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, like, it was, it, was kind of, it was kind of an unwritten rule because George Washington had two terms and, and then he stepped back. So that was kind of like, I believe, 
any historians out there, give us mm -hmm. the facts. But I, I believe that he kind of set a precedent for it, but there were no there was no actual role for term limits for the presidency. Yeah, so there there's a lot of uh, history that supports that. A lot of people had so much respect for Washington that they didn't want to overdo what he had done. Yeah. Um, and and so they they felt that that was the 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 good standard was two terms and done. But you know now we've got uh you know two term limit uh on on the books and i think that's that's a good place uh, i mean you know uh, the house you know there's been arguments that maybe there should be a three term limit in the house and two term in the senate senate's six years house is two years so maybe uh how about just a limit let's let's start out with a limit yeah i could care at this point i could care less what i mean realistic i could care less what it is but let's get a limit on the books that would be that's a good starting point I just realized I think that was stupid. Sometimes I think oh, there's vampires in our government. They just never go away. They're like there forever. They're like immortal. I think. I think I just I wanted to address something. I just said something stupid. I I, I said two years for house limit or for two year terms for the house, and that's absolutely wrong. And Somebody's I understand gonna that wrong. Spit that out and like make you. They're gonna just repeat that forever. That's that's tied to you now. That's fine. I, I've addressed it, and I can die happy now. Uh, should that cow break into my house and kill me in my sleep? Uh, I'm fine. For, for those of you who aren't privy to this joke, uh, right before this podcast, my wife ran, ran down here and said, oh my God, there's a cow in the front yard. And I'm like, there's no farm nearby. She's like, cow in front. So, okay. so there's not even a farm near you? No, so we was talking to one of the neighbors and uh, apparently the next street over... Uh, there's a house with just cows. They've just got cows. That's funny. That's great. I mean, look. To be fair, my wife wants a like wants a baby cow. She wants to like own it and like let it live here. Just and we're. I, I assume that's the same situation. Except that that husband finally caved on it. And he was like, "Whatever, just just, just get your cows. Yeah, just get the cow. Just let me die in peace." Uh, <laughs> that's an expensive pet to have especially multiple yeah there's a the, one of our neighbors owns a turkey because the turkey keeps breaking into our yard I'll bet you that's a November dinner that turkey's probably a November dinner speaking of which I've not seen it since like September October of last year so maybe things got real bad and they spent all their money on toilet paper and they had to eat the pet <laughs> Could have, could have been. That's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up because toilet paper. Not well. <laughs> well, this whole lockdown thing. How crazy it is! Like, I don't know how Tennessee is. Ten well, we talked about it. like Tennessee. From my understanding, is pretty. It was pretty open. Like they kind of had a shutdown, but then they just resumed back. My understanding, PA, we're still like shut down, open up, shut down, open up, parkour. And this is really, really affecting things. That's when I started going from just being, okay, I'm going to talk about libertarianism to I'm going to try and get involved in campaigns. I'm joining the LPPA. I'm going to get change done and, you know, talk to Rob Luther about it. This is a huge point that, hey, if you have a business, nobody should be able to say, hey, it's not essential. You make that decision. Yeah. Well, the signs too, like the, the, the sign requirements on your door. So that's harmful. So if I'm a business owner um, and I think masks are stupid and I 
don't enforce people wearing masks in my store. Don't force me to put a mask saying you have to wear a mask by governor's order in my store, because now somebody that does feel like they want to wear a mask, they, they don't know what stores they can go into that's going to, quote unquote, enforce that rule. Right. So that's another example of of uh, uh, a dictate that is flawed um, and can do more harm than good. Let stores let stores pick if they if they want people to wear masks in their store. They can put up the sign. Now, everybody knows that's legit. Like if you go in that store, respect their property, put on your mask, do your shopping. Uh, if they don't have that sign up, then you know you can go in there and not have to worry about a mask. There's no questions. It's not like this weird unwritten rule because I can't tell you how many businesses I've gone into that have that mask sign up. And I go in there and they're like, you don't need to wear that. And I'm like, OK, uh, it, it's let people be people. Jeez. Yeah, so that's actually that is really a really interesting point because a lot of businesses put them up just either as virtue signaling or because of the law or whatever. But um, you know, I the local Lowe's here, I, I no point in time have I ever wore a mask at Lowe's. Nobody's ever said anything. Uh, mostly because probably they couldn't find their way around the store themselves, so they're just no, they're not worried so much about me. But uh, no, that is true, though. We've got a gun store here in town that is die hard on masking. Ever since they started talking about this, they said, you will wear a mask in this store. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But you've got to let me know. I can't tell if you're bullshitting or not. Right. Uh, you don't know. You, you don't know. I, and that's the thing is, you know, you've got these branch COVIDians on both sides of the aisle who are 100% a- anti-masking. Like, they will never wear a mask in their life. <laughs> And then you got these people who are so afraid of taking their mask off. They're like the boy in the plastic bubble. Yeah, they're um, out there mowing their grass with their mask on. Of course, maybe he but, was uh, for a reason. Maybe he like didn't want to get grass. I don't know. Maybe that was legit. Sorry, whoever that was. Sorry. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to you know, just respect other people. Don't be a yeah. piece of shit. I mean, if you want to wear a mask, wear the damn mask. If you don't want to wear the mask, don't wear the mask. But once you step on somebody else's property. If they say, hey, we want you to wear a mask, do it. Or yeah. fuck off. Yeah. It's pretty simple. And the same thing is, you know, if a business says, hey, we don't think you should have some mask up here. We understand the risk. We don't care. Uh, it comes down to if you want to wear the mask, that's fine. But don't start screaming at people because they decided their the risk is not high enough for them. Right. Uh I mean, there's no study, not a single study you can show me that has ever been written that shows that pretty much 20-year-olds, teens, children are at high risk for dying from COVID. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's cases of it, but, you know, there's there's cases of people dying in freak car accidents, too. But it, it it's all about the risk-reward calculation. You know, it's personal risk calculation. Do you think it is worth not wearing a mask? Well, I'll tell you, I had COVID. My wife and I had COVID. Uh, this was a couple, this a month or so ago. Uh, and we had a bad. We were like, we were, this is like in the middle of my campaign. We're like laid up for two weeks. We were diligent with masks. We didn't like run around without masks. We wore a mask pretty much any time we went out. Um, so, and, you know, it just did, it didn't help. We also got vaccinated. We ended up getting vaccinated. Five days later, got it. Yeah, that was fun stuff. Let me tell you, it was not fun. No, it was not fun at all. 
but yeah, I, I, I'm, da- I'm down to like, you know, if, if uh, I think the businesses should be allowed to, to control what people wear or don't wear in their store and, you know, your personal preference, you want to wear it, you know, it's up to you. But. So I'm going to hit you with a, a real curveball out of left field. Here. Oh, jeez. Okay, let's go. So this is, this is one that I've had this, this debate with myself on. So as far as requirements for masking in schools, especially like, so my my four, uh, five-year-old, he's in pre-K, and they just recently, uh, like a week left in school, they just recently quit masking in schools. What do you think about required mask mandates in schools? You think it should be a parent's choice whether the kid masks or not, or do you think the school has the ability to determine that? That's a good question, um, and I haven't thought about that a ton, which I should because my kid is in school. But um, so I would say, you know, I would say, um, like in our school district, there's there is like the remote ability. Um, I. Man, I but I cannot see making a kid wear a mask all day long at school. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of opposed to it. I, I think that's a parent's choice. I don't know. That's that is a tough. I mean, that is that's that's something worth debating, right? What are the pros and cons of that? Like, if if you think that masks are useless, you're obviously going to be like, no, my kid should not wear a mask. But if you're the one that thinks that that mask is going to save my kid's life, um. But I, th- I yeah, that's a good one. What did what did you come up with on your thoughts? I, I figured out. So if you've got like the virtual option, so my 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 position on this since last year was basically okay. If you don't want uh you know this high risk situation, if kids don't want to wear a mask, let them go to school. If if you're one of those people that is terrified to death of this, that's fine. Do virtual learning. You can have both. You can have like yeah. a live stream. Well, you, like know what, this. You, know what, you know what the argument's going to be is which kids get to go to school and which kids have to stay home. The masters will be like, we want our kids to be in the school because it's mm-hmm. better. And then the unmaskers will be that they'll, they'll, everybody want to go to the school. But I see your point. That makes sense. But I think the maskers should stay home. Like if you want your kid to wear a mask, you sh- they shouldn't be going. If you're that adamant about your kid wearing a mask, then they shouldn't be leaving the house anyhow. So. Yeah, so that's my argument is that if you want your kid, if if you're terrified to death of this and you don't think um, your kid should be unmasked at school, that's fine. Offer the virtual learning program. Yeah, uh, it costs. What we've seen is it costs n- almost nothing to host, you know, Zoom meetings or like stream or stuff like this, you know. And if you want your kid to go to the school, that's fine. Let them. But it it should be that an option, not you will wear a mask or you won't come to school or you, right. you know, you have to wear this mask. It, and uh, yeah, right, deny right you an education. If you, if you don't wear that mask. Well, and at which point you truant and then you, you know, your parents go to jail. Uh, yeah. They're exactly zero cases. Teachers getting COVID from a student. I've seen that. Uh, there's not, I don't, I'm, I'm not willing to say that there's zero cases. I've not seen a study yet that says that teachers have caught it from a student. Or if they have, it's been from a, like a high school level student who is like 18, 17, 16 years old. But uh, how would you? No, yeah, there was, like, I, we got COVID. We have no idea where we got COVID. It's just, I, it's just, it's I like mean, gerrymandering a district. You make it up and pretend yeah, like it yeah, makes sense. Right. <laughs> I feel like I got it from them. 
Yeah. And I've even read stories where, you know, kids are exercising, they're doing something physical like gym class or whatever it is, PT, and then they have the mask on. It's hard to breathe. And I'm thinking, hey, this doesn't really help because one, from what I understand, they're not really susceptible to it. If they get it, that's not something that's going to affect them as much. And I, I personally think the school can say because it's their property, but if it's up to the parent, the parent should make the decision. And I don't think it's a great idea. Just like I don't think if you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you do, great. If you don't, that's perfectly fine too, just like anything else. Um, and one of the big things that we're pushing for as libertarians, especially here, is just in case they try this vaccine passport stuff to stop yeah. them from like, hey, no. I should be allowed to travel regardless. You can't look at my medical records. That's a, that's another big thing. So, Rob, uh, on your website, it did say you were a big proponent of uh, the the uh, the vaccine cards, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think it should be tattooed on our forearm. Our, 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 our vaccination should be tattooed. Oh, we're not. Or, no, we're not no, better yet. Yeah, I have a better idea. I have a better idea. The vaccine should have nano robots in it that just tell every like you walk through a scanner and it tells you, it tells that that government organization what what your uh, vaccine records are. That would be yeah. ideal. It'd be real awkward at Best Buy. by the government to do that. So it'll be it'll be real awkward at Best Buy every time you go through the scanner, like the little metal detector it beeps because it's picking up those nanos and nobody took the security tag off when they injected you with them. Check your credit too, you know, because if you want to get a social credit score, yeah, you know what? Now, somebody's going to take that clip of me and post that all over the world, and they're going to be like, Don't vote for Rob Luther, man, he's a freak, yeah, he's just a Democrat in disguise that likes machine guns, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's right, or Republican that smoked weed. That's what people have told me that. (laughs) Oh, Lord, yeah, fun stuff. (laughs) I promise Kareem this would be a very professional podcast, but what he didn't account for is that I'm an idiot. So, well, yeah, I'm not a politician, man. I, 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 there was a, I did my videos, like some of my Facebook videos. I have my, my Star Wars shirt on, my comic books in the background. One guy's like, oh, you're wearing a Star Wars shirt and comics in the background. You should be wearing a superhero outfit to do these. How do you expect people to take you seriously? And I'm like, hey, I am who I am. I'm like, I'm not a politician. I just know that things can be run better. Uh, I don't want us to spend money. So if you want to vote for me, that's what I'm going to be working on. If you don't want to vote for me, go vote for the people that have been running the shit for the past forever. Yeah. Anyone can put on a suit, a nice suit, and they definitely have money to do it and lie to you. Mitch McConnell wears nice suits, and so does, you know, everybody else in Congress who lies. I'll tell you what. If the quality of a politician was based off of what they wore – We'd have amazing stuff being done right now. Like it'd be, but it, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it, 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 it that is true. The the better well the 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 better you're dressed, the more people take you seriously. Don't know why. Uh, it is it is uh, true. Although actually, I've had more positive comments. I think about my uh, my wall here than negative. So that's that's good. One guy said, one guy literally on Facebook. Left a comment, the wall behind me, all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, he did. Was that? Yeah. Or someone could look at my guitar collection when I run and go, oh, Cream has guitars. I'm a guitarist. 
sometimes that basic thing, whatever it is, or it doesn't have to be necessarily policy, although I think you should look at policy and their principles, but hey, Al Kareem goes to the same gym or maybe he does a certain activity, people will look at that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm more worried about the guy who doesn't have any hobbies, doesn't have anything interesting, and then they have a nice suit. What are you going to do? Are you spending most of your time wanting to control people? Because we've seen this last election and, and what's happening now. Professional politicians and all these career politicians need to go. We just need regular people like us um, just trying to decentralize as much as possible. Uh, I'm going to correct you there, Karim. All right. We need regular libertarians like us. That's what we need. Regular, not just people. We don't just need regular people. We need regular libertarians like us. You know, ones that want nanorobots in the in the in the virus to the ties into cryptocurrency and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember last time, you know, last weekend I rolled up a Bitcoin and snorted a line of coke. Uh, but, uh, but, Which yeah, so, is your right to do, sir? Yeah. Because, you know, they, they make the argument that crypto is used for drug trades, but yet, how what was the last time you seen somebody roll up a Bitcoin and snort something out of it? But, uh, but no, so if you remember the, the this massive outcry from when Nancy Pelosi was standing in front of $16,000 worth of refrigerator and was telling people, we're in this struggle together, and I'm like, mm, are we though? Like, my truck costs like $1,000. Like your refrigerator costs more than all the vehicles sitting in my driveway. Are you sure? Are you sure about this? Are, are we certain that we're in this together, or maybe? Mm. Yeah. No, and the, our governor is the same way. I've talked to actually a representative who lives very close to him who's running, and he said he just stays in the mansion. He puts out policy. He pretends to care. Then he's just in his mansion and. That's the problem. That's why nothing gets changed. These guys don't know anything about what the average American does. I mean, anything about what, you know, probably the people in their district, how they're living. So how can you accurately make policy if you have no idea what the average person goes through or does? Wouldn't make sense. I mean, I mean, if I was, let's just say theoretically, right? Let's say somebody's dropped on their head and they make me governor of Tennessee. If I'm not legislating, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking a cross-state trip. I'm talking to every damn body. Because that's that's really what I'd love for this podcast to be, for like a way for me to make enough money to quit my job and be a libertarian full-time. Uh, just talk to people, man. People will tell you what they want. They are not shy about it. They will 100% tell you hey, whether you, know you what? suck or they love you. I There's probably a couple government grants you could apply for to make that happen. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that's actually a no. big too. That's a huge problem now because people are getting paid more to not work than to work. And I'm saying, like, if you do that, you're going to destroy the economy. And libertarians, one good thing is not only principle, we get economics. So hey, we need to stop just giving out. Handout. I was thinking about that today. You're right. So remember, Andrew Yang wanted to do the thousand dollars a month for everybody, right? Man, this is a good experiment to say let's not do that, <laughs> right? People are just going to be like, "Well, I don't have to work." Well, I, I mean, had, I had a client that lost lost an employee 
Uh, they got COVID, they went to the hospital and they're like, you know what, you could just quit your job, you could collect unemployment and you could do PA career link and, and they'll educate you so you don't have to go back to work. She's like, wow, that's a great idea, quit. So my client lost a, an employee. That's wild. But I just, I, 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 I couldn't fathom just taking like on a personal level, I couldn't fathom just receiving money and not providing a service in exchange for it. Like where I work at now, I feel like I, I am in fact just a number, but I'm at least providing something for the, the exchange of fake money that they're giving me. Um, as Kareem calls it, I'm a tax slave, but at least I'm providing some kind of service. Uh, and it, it, it does just come down to, you know, I don't think I could just sit at home all day. I would, I would probably start another business. I mean, I got the gun store that I run here, but I'd probably start something else. I don't know what it would be. It'd be something. Uh, it'd probably be some podcast online called not a real libertarian or something. I'd probably try to make money off of it, but, uh, um, <laughs> sign up for government grants. <laughs> yeah, sign up for government grants and it just is like not a real libertarian. So you have the name. Like I think that's a pass for you to look for grant money. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, I'm not false advertising. I'm at least honest about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. But is there anything uh you wanna plug there, Rob? Anything I want to plug there. My, my uh, website is scrolling on the bottom. Any, any uh, moral support donations, any volunteerism that anybody wants to throw my way, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's, and just, Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. This was great. I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Look, I'd like to do it again sometime. Kareem, it's your turn for show and tell. All right. Well, May 18th, we have a special election. Take time to read the ballot measures. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but please take the time to actually read it thoroughly. Know what you're voting for. And in addition, Rob Luther is running in the 59th district. You have a third option. It is possible to break out of the duopoly, to break out of the two-party mindset. And once you do that, you're going to find that there will actually be positive changes that you're looking for. And more freedom won't give you a perfect life, but at least give you the ability to make your life perfect in one aspect. So Rob Luther for the 59th, find him at www.robluther.com, Rob Luther. You can also find his Facebook at Rob Luther for the 59th. And just go on there. You can leave a comment. You can hit us up. And if you have any questions about the campaign, Rob's positions, or anything else relating to libertarianism, love to answer it for you. I'm Kareem, the uh, campaign manager. Well done, Kareem. He hit all the marks there. He hit he, all he, the like, marks, he, man. He's got that wrote down. I don't care what he says. He's got it wrote down or on the screen in front of him. But, uh, gentlemen, uh, you know, it's been a good episode, and I appreciate y'all coming on. Rob Luther running for the 59th. Kareem. It's campaign manager, and I am not a real libertarian, and neither are y'all, because there's no such thing. Hey, we'll talk to you later. Appreciate y'all.